an understanding of the word and hear me before we get into this. The only way that a true understanding of the word can happen is by and through the Holy Spirit. The word is spiritually discerned, meaning it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how unlearned you may be. If you have the spirit of Almighty God, he will reveal this word to you. I've heard testimonies of, of individuals who don't even know how to read. But when they open the word of God and they ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten the eyes of their understanding, suddenly they're able to read. No other book can they pick up and read, but they can pick up the word of God and read it. And, and God has my witness. These are testimonies of people. I believe it um, because we need the spirit of the Lord to understand his word. And in tonight's text, um, this bears this out. Um, how important it is to know the Word of God for yourself. So I'm going to go ahead and begin reading Mark chapter 12. Uh, we're going to be in verses 18 through 27. Then come unto him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. And they asked him, saying, Master, Moses wrote unto us, If a man's brother die, and leave his wife behind him, and leave no children, that his brother should take his wife, and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were seven brethren, and the first took a wife, and dying left no seed. And the second took her, and died, neither left her any seed. And the third likewise. And the seven had her, and left no seed. Last of all, the woman died also, meaning that not one of the seven uh, was able to give her a child. In the resurrection, therefore, when they shall rise, whose wife shall she be of them? For the seven had her to wife. And Jesus answering said unto them, Do you not therefore err, because you know not the Scriptures, neither the power of God? For when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven, and as touching the dead that they rise. Have you not read in the book of Moses how in the bush God spoke unto him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You therefore do greatly err. Uh, and I've just been made aware that if you were viewing um, by Facebook, we've lost our connection. Uh, you can hop on YouTube. Um, we are trying to get Facebook back up. I don't know if it froze or, or what, but just bear with us. It is the devil um, that is constantly <laughs> interrupting and... Uh, and doing this, so Jason's doing his best um, to get this taken care of. Are we live on on your Facebook yet? If we are, I can go ahead and keep going. Okay, so hopefully you were able to get back on Facebook. Um, if you could, can you share, is that on the Lakeside page? Because we need to be sure it gets on the lakeside page. It's okay. 
if you're watching on YouTube, <laughs> I apologize, or Christian World Media, uh, for this delay. But we know that the majority of our viewers um, are viewing through Facebook, so I don't want to get too far ahead. Um, and we won't, we want them to be able to, to get on. Okay, so if there's anybody on Facebook right <laughs> if it could go wrong, it is going wrong tonight. It's okay. So why won't uh, why can't you go on Lakeside's page? Okay, so if there's anyone uh, viewing by Facebook right now, if you could share this to the Lakeside page, it would be greatly um, appreciated. If you need to grab my phone and maybe you could text Vanessa or Melissa um, to be able to do that, that would be great. So we're going to go ahead and continue on. Um, and I, I read the, the text, Mark chapter 12, verses 18 through 27. And I just want to go back and reread what I feel is the main text uh, of this portion of Scripture tonight. And it's found in verse 24. And it says, And Jesus answering said unto them, Do you not therefore err, because you know not the Scriptures, neither the power of God? Um, that's the most important thing, folks. And Jason and I talked about this Tuesday morning in our Bible study. I've talked about it for several weeks now. The importance of knowing the word of God for yourself. You see, when the Pharisees and the Herodians failed to trap Jesus last week in our teaching, uh, in his words, another group of religious Jews came on the scene, and this was the Sadducees. And uh, the Sadducees, this was the first time that they really had interaction uh, with Jesus. And they, had, um, they were questioning the resurrection. So the title of my message tonight is, The Resurrection is Real. Uh, it is real. It's um, the cornerstone, a corner piece, uh, the, the cross and the resurrection um, of our Christian journey, our Christian life, the faith, what we built our faith on. Um, and it is real. And, of course, we all have questions about life after death, uh, wondering what it will be like, um, what will we do when we get there? You know, questions like that. And Jesus ag addresses these questions in these verses. Uh, so we need to look at this. And in verse 18, uh, Jesus is still ministering in the temple, just as he was last week. This is the same day. Uh, and the Sadducees come to him, and they come for the same reason. The same reason that the Pharisees and the Herodians had joined forces when they had never joined forces before. Now we have the Sadducees coming on the scene doing the exact same thing, um, trying to discredit Jesus with the people, trying to embarrass him. Um, just a little background, the Sadducees were a uh, minority sect among the Jews. There weren't many, they didn't have a huge following um, because they were um, well-known among the well-known. They were priests. Um, they were the most powerful and influential of all the Jewish um, sects. The, 
the Sadducees controlled uh, all the buying and selling um, that went on in the temple, and they were angry with Jesus. Why? Because he had interrupted their business. Um, he had uh, basically, in their mind, stolen, taken from their pockets uh, because he came in and, and he uh, turned over the tables and he pointed out the wrong and the buying and the selling and all that was going on and you know that we just went over it a couple weeks ago um, and the Sadducees also controlled the priesthood so um, they were all high priests and uh, the chief priests were Sadducees uh, so that's just a little background on them um, they were disliked mainly because of their theology um, they were extreme literalist that means um, they believed in a literal interpretation of the scriptures, nothing else. It, ha it was a literal interpretation. And all they accepted um, as authoritative in the Old Testament was the Pentateuch, uh, that being Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, um, the five uh, books that Moses wrote. Um, that's what they believed in. Those were the only books that they believed in. Um, so the doctrine that caused them the most trouble with the people was their denial of all things supernatural. They did not believe in anything supernatural. They had to find a written word um, uh, for that, a literal, literal interpretation. Um, they believed in the existence of God. They believed that, but they rejected everything else um, that was of a supernatural nature. Um, they would not believe that. Uh, and some people said that's why they were called sad, you see. <laughs> right? They were sad. That's a sad thing to, to not believe in anything supernatural. Um, so they were called sad, you see. Okay, that's my little humor for tonight. I have to do it. Um, so the Sadducees, again, have been described as liberals uh, when, in fact, they are really extreme fundamentalists. Um, that's, that's what they were. Um, they refused to accept the authority in anything um, they could not support by a literal reading uh, of the law of Moses. That's what they were about was the law of Moses. But we'll find um, that they really didn't even know that. They added to it. They made things up. What they thought they knew, they really didn't know. Uh, and I know I've been there. And uh, probably you've been there because you've been taught things your entire life. But then when you for yourself begin to dig into the word of God, um, you determine in your heart that the only way you're going to believe something is if it's backed up by scripture, which is exactly what we should do. Um, things in our lives are going to change. Um, things that maybe we once held dear to, held on to, we're going to have to let go of because it was never really in the word to begin with. Uh, it was just we heard it our whole life, and we took it to be true. And it's not that someone intentionally misled us, but there again, then you're going to mislead somebody when you believe error. And that's exactly what Jesus is uh, pointing out. Hear me tonight, there is a God and his word is the final authority, and the resurrection is real. Um, they thought they could trip Jesus up with this teaching, with this question. Uh, and it, the question really blows my mind because they, really, they don't believe in the resurrection. So why are they even asking questions about it? Um, they didn't believe in the life after death. Their life after death maybe would have been uh, reincarnation, but not what we know to be true. So in verses 19 through 23 of the text tonight, 
you just find how absurd um, their questioning of Jesus is. The first, uh, and there's such sarcasm uh, in these verses. I encourage you to go back and read it. Um, the kids laugh at me all the time. I love to listen to the Bible being read. And on my Bible app, um, it's a theatrical reading uh, of the word. And I love that. I was in drama and all these things. So I love the theatrical reading. But you hear the sarcasm in it. So I encourage you. And I'm trying to look between two uh, cameras right now. But I encourage you to go back and to reread that. Uh, and read it with the, the tone, the sarcasm um, that the Sadducees had. See, they came to him and called him master, but they really didn't believe that he was the master. Uh, again, flattering him, thinking that he could uh, get the big head, be puffed up. He's Jesus. He can't. <laughs> that, that was um, crazy thinking on their part. I mean, they had just seen the Pharisees. They had just seen um, the Herodians be pointed out and, and rebuked openly. But here, yet, yeah, this tells us something uh, very telling about them. Uh, they thought they were better. They thought they could do it. They thought they really knew something. Um, so they come to him. They use the word master, which means teacher, but they didn't come to him in an attempt to learn anything. Um, again, uh, the men appeal to Moses. You know, they bring up Moses and his teaching. He was the great lawgiver. Uh, he was God's spokesman. Yes, that's not being um, disputed. Um, he was respected by all the Jews. And the Sadducees knew Christ's respect for Moses and for the scriptures. So they thought this is how they were going to trap him. Um, so they kind of constructed a puzzle, so to speak, um, that they think that Jesus can't solve. They ask this question, well, what if this lady uh, marries a man and he has seven brothers and they all, they all die without giving her a child? What's going to happen then? In the resurrected life, uh, who's she going to be married to? Tell us, right? That, that's what they thought. So they tell Jesus this story based on... Um, the Old Testament law, yes, that was Old Testament law. You can look it up in Deuteronomy um, because the law did do that. It made provision um, for families um, so that they didn't lose their inheritance, that if a man did die and he had a brother, then the brother was to step in and marry the wife uh, and raise up a child so they kept the family name going. Um, and again, this law was brought about um, the union between Judah and Tamar uh, in Genesis 38. You can look, at, look it up there. Um, also in Ruth, Ruth and Boaz. So based on this law, the Sadducees come to Jesus. They come up with this tale, and they're saying it as if it is Moses' law, which it's not. Um, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They were just trying to embarrass Jesus. Uh, they were trying to mock him, um, to mock uh, those who believe in the resurrection, and they thought they had created um, the perfect trap to get Jesus in. But they should have known what was coming. Uh, because in verses 24 through 27, we find the answer. Uh, Jesus wasn't as easy to defeat as they had figured. Uh, because in his answer, he put them in their place. And Jesus uh, can do that. He does that with all of us. If we will read the word with uh, an open heart and a heart that is hungry and desperate to be challenged, to be changed, the word will do that. 
um, that's the power of the word. It will change us from glory to glory. And, uh, and that's how we should go to the word each and every day. Um, Lord, show me something. Reveal something about myself, Lord. Change me. I want to be like you. That's why we have the word. Um, it's to conform us into his image, to break off those things of ourselves that, that aren't like him. And believe it or not, there's a lot of rough edges. We've, no matter how long we've been saved, um, we still need to be changed. We still need to be changed even after we've been saved. So here in verse 24, he says um, he's accusing these men of being in error. And like I said, I believe verse 24 is the main text, the main verse of this uh, portion of Scripture uh, tonight that we're studying. And to be in error means to stray. It means to go aside from the right way. Um, it kind of carries the idea of living in a dream world, which that's exactly what these Sadducees were doing. They were living in a dream world. He looks at these religious hypocrites, and he says, you have no idea what you're talking about. You're living in a dream world, and you're dead wrong. You see, think about this. They were standing before the creator of the universe, the creator of it all. And yet they think in their own tiny little pea brains, in their small intellect, that they can trip Jesus up, that they can catch him, embarrass him, um, make him second-guess anything. Um, how foolish. So Jesus looks straight at them and tells them they're wrong, and, and he goes on to say that their wrong thinking came from two specific areas. Number one, and this is what I want to hammer home because this is what I feel um, the Lord has laid on my heart for the past two months now. They were ignorant of God's word. That was the first thing he, he pointed out to them, that they were ignorant of God's word. And I want you to get this tonight. These weren't just common folk. These weren't just church members. These were the chief high priests. And they were ignorant of God's word. That kind of, I don't know, it just struck me because when I look at the state of the church today and, and what the church has balled into and what the church as a whole has accepted, I know and I believe because the, the Spirit bears witness as I say this that those are the ones that are ignorant of the word of God. And that's a harsh statement to say, and I don't say it boastfully. I say it with a broken heart. Um, because those that are in charge, those that have truly been called to pastor, to shepherd a flock, they have to know. They have to know the word of God. They have to count the cost. Uh, and if you're truly called, then you're going to have a love for the word. You're going to have a prayer life. You're going to have a relationship with the Lord. And if those things are lacking, and tonight I don't know who's watching on here, but if you find yourself in a position of leadership, in a position of authority within a church, and yet you, you're not in your word daily, you don't have a prayer life, you need to take a step back. And it's not to say shame on you, it's to say, woe is me, Lord, Change me. Um, move me if need be. Do whatever needs to be done, Lord, because I don't want to continue on in this error. And the verse that has the Lord has just kind of 
burnt into my heart is Hosea 4 and 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. That you shall be no priest to me, seeing you have forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget your children. What a powerful word. And yes, I know this initially was spoken to Israel, but it's spoken to every child of God today. My people are destroyed. Another translation would say, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Now hear me, it doesn't mean that you are unable to learn. It doesn't mean that the resources are not before you. It means that you willfully, knowingly, just don't care to have a knowledge of the Word of God. That's a problem. That's a huge problem in the church. I'm not talking about the sinner out on the street. Of course, they don't have a knowledge of the Word of God. They can't. Going all the way back to what I said in the beginning, the Word is spiritually discerned. Now, they, there may be those that can quote this Word uh, front to back, but you get to the second point um, that the Lord says is they don't even know the power of God. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power is what uh, Jesus is telling them. That, that's what's going on, and that's what I see going on in the church today. Um, you may have emotion. You may have hype. You may have a full packed house. But you yourself don't have a knowledge of the word of God. You yourself, when you step away, when, when you step off of the platform, you're empty. You don't have anything. And that's a miserable place to be. How can I say that? Because I've been there. <laughs> I, I was there for uh, a majority of my life. Just going on what I was fed by other people and not feeding myself the word. But when you begin to feed yourself, when you begin to open the word of Almighty God with a, a hunger, with a, an expectancy, with a desire to learn, and being honest with the Lord, Lord, I want to know your word. I, I want you to teach me your word, Lord. He will do that. The Holy Spirit will do that. That's his job, is to lead and guide, to teach us. And see, this is exactly what was missing in the Sadducees. And that's very sad. <laughs> because they missed the Messiah. They missed uh, the Lord standing right in front of them. How many churches today are missing the Lord? Why? One, because they've denied the moving and the operating of the Holy Spirit. If you don't have that, you've got nothing. Because it's the Holy Spirit that brings all of this about. So they were ignorant of the word of God. They read the scriptures and they believed what they read, but they were ignorant of the message in the word. If they had just taken the time to read the whole word and believe it, they wouldn't have been confused about the resurrection, right? And there are several uh, scripture references, and I hope you have a pen. You can write these down. Uh, Job 19, 25 through 27. Isaiah 26, 19. And then Daniel 12 and 2. Uh, look these scriptures up. The truth of the resurrection is printed all over the Old Testament. The Sadducees should have known that. 
They were the chief priest, the high priest. And of anyone, they should have known the word of God. Uh, again, they, they're like so many in our day. They knew just enough of the Bible to be dangerous. And that is a true statement. They ran around saying, well, the Bible says this and the Bible says that. But they were wrong about what they believed it said. See, a lot of times, uh, and these are just a couple examples of things that I'm sure you've heard. I've heard all of these. That Adam and Eve ate an apple in the Garden of Eden. And we believe that. We have uh, pictures, murals painted on walls of, of an apple in Eve's hand. The Word of God doesn't say that. Uh, that the high priest never entered the Holy of Holies without a rope tied around his ankle. We've all heard that, right? Uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not in the Word of God. Um, the angels rejoice when someone is saved. Noah only took two of every kind of animal in the ark. That's not true. Two and seven. See, there, and these things in and of themselves really aren't harmful, but you just see these little things that we just believe because we've heard it all of our life, and they're not even in the Word of God. So if the enemy can start with these little things, because that's how the enemy works, he works uh, subtly, then it can come to the point to where we're even doubting the reality of the resurrection. And that's where the Sadducees were. Some fancy talker that uses big words could come our way. And he could just, I don't know, sweep you off your feet and make you think, oh, wow, make, just plant a seed of doubt in your mind. And if you don't have the word of God rooted in your heart, that seed of doubt will begin to grow in your life. And you'll begin to question things, things that you should know are true. But if you don't have a knowledge of the word, you're going to be led astray. Uh, just as the Sadducees were themselves, and they led others astray as well. Most people believe these things to be true, those that I just talked about. But they're misinterpretations of what the Bible says. Where there are old wives' tale and can't even be found uh, in the word of God. You see, reading the Bible will destroy a lot of what people say they believe. Let me just remind you that we have a duty to study the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us that. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. That's our responsibility, to rightly divide the word of truth. You can't go through this word and pick and choose what you think is true, what you think is real. You either believe all of it or you don't believe any of it. And that's it. It's all or none. The word tells us that. Uh, we need to know what we believe and why we believe it, 1 Peter 3.15 but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man who asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. If somebody asks you about Jesus and asks you uh, if salvation is real, asks you if the resurrection is real, you should know, did Jesus really go and die on a cross for me? You shouldn't hesitate in answering that. It should be a joy. It's an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've got to study the word of God to show yourself approved. You've got to know it. You cannot. Ignorance is no excuse. 
He tells us over and over, uh, I would have it that you not be ignorant. It's all right here. We have more resources, more tools than any, any other time in history has available to them. And it's in your hand constantly on your phone. There's no excuse for our ignorance of the word of God. And it is a willful ignorance. And we will be held accountable for that. The second thing, again, as I said a while ago, they were ignorant of God's power. Um, these men believed that God created the universe out of nothing. They believed that God formed Adam out of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. They believed God could do all of that, but they did not believe he had the power to raise the dead. How foolish. How foolish is that? Uh, I just want to remind you that we serve an all-powerful God, that there is nothing beyond the realm of possibility with him. Um, the Bible teaches us that over and over again. There's several script, uh, scripture references, and it's all believed by faith. It all is by faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We might not have seen him do it, or we might not see him do these things, but we believe it. Why? Because we receive it. We've benefited from it. Our lives have been changed. It's by faith. This is a faith walk. And then uh, verses 25 through 27, uh, Jesus refers to the nature of heavenly relationships. And I know this is where uh, people get a little anxious, I would think. Well, am I going to know my husband when I'm in heaven? Um, am I going to know my kids? Are my pets going to be there? No. <laughs> Animals will be there, but our pets sadly don't have a soul. Um, so I'm probably going to get, uh, I don't know, hate mail <laughs> or, or something for that. But, um, but while the relationship of marriage is wonderful, and, and I have great marriage. I've been married for how long? 22? Yeah, 22. It's been 22 years. 22 years. Uh, it's been great, but that's an <laughs> earthly institution. When we are in heaven, there'll be no need for marriage. Uh, why? Because marriage was instituted so that we could have kids, so that we could multiply and populate the earth. Um, but in heaven, we will never die. There will be no more death. So there's going to be no need um, for, for that. For Now, I don't know. Uh, Babies might be born in, by another means. I, I'm not 100% sure, but not how we know it here uh, within the confines of a marriage. It, it's not there. Um, when we get to heaven, we will be like the angels. Now, we won't be angels, okay? We won't be angels, but we will be like them uh, in the sense that we'll have no need for physical necessities. Um, in heaven, like the angels, we'll be deathless. We'll be sinless, praise the Lord, um, and we will be glorified. We will have our glorified bodies, and I can't tell you how much that excites me. There'll be no more trips to the chiropractor, even though I love my chiropractor, Dr. Simmer. Um, I won't have to go there anymore because I will have my glorified body. Uh, we will be like Jesus. The word tells us that when we see him, we will be like him. And I cannot wait for that day. Life will be def definitely different when we get there. Um, 
Jesus refers to the reality of the resurrection um, to the Sadducees because they wanted to bring up Moses. So Jesus takes them to Moses. He takes them uh, to Exodus in uh, 3 and 4 when Moses had his encounter with God in the burning bush um, because this is something that they would have been acquainted with because that's what they lived by, the Pentateuch. That was it. That's all. But yet they missed it because they misinterpreted the word of God. He takes them to where he says, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He didn't say, I was. He says, I am, meaning that even though their physical body had died, they were alive and well, showing proof of resurrection, life after death. You see, God created our bodies to live for eternity. Now, with the fall... Our physical body will die, but it will be resurrected. Uh, our soul and spirit will never die. When, when we die here on earth, uh, our soul and spirit goes to be with the Lord. Then when the rapture takes place, our body uh, will come up from the grave and, and be reunited. And, uh, and that's what we believe. The resurrection is real. Um, so he used Moses' uh, writings to prove to the Sadducees, you don't even know what you think you know. Because I said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Why? Because they are still alive. And they are just awaiting the, the body's resurrection. But they are alive and well. So that brings up another point, and I'm trying to hurry. I don't even know what time it is. I can't see the clock. But um, you will live eternally. Every single person on the face of this earth will live eternally in one of two places, heaven or hell. And you have that choice of where you're going to go. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. His will is that not one would perish but that all would come. Uh, to repentance, that all would accept him as the personal Savior. So it's not his will that sends us to hell. His will is that we'll live in heaven with him for eternity. But we have our own free will, and we can choose to go to hell. God doesn't send us there. We choose to go there by the rejection of the gospel, by the rejection of his son. So eternity is real. The resurrection is real. You decide, you have the choice of where you're going to spend it, heaven or hell. That's up to you. See, when Jesus saves a soul, he raises that person from spiritual death. That's Ephesians 2 and 1. Uh, he makes them alive in himself. He gives them his life. That is why salvation is referred to as a new birth. We know this. Jesus, um, then we become a partaker of the everlasting life. And he's given us abundant life while we're here on earth and then for eternity. An abundant life. You don't have to live miserable. You don't have to live defeated right now. You don't have to. Why? Because Christ died that you would have an abundant life right now. Not that you're going to have every single thing that you ever wanted, but your needs will be met. He's the provider. He's your provision. He will meet every need that you have. It might not be what you think, 
but it'll be exactly what you need. We have to trust that. Everybody who dies, again, will experience a resurrection, John 5 and 29. Uh, some will get up again and receive everlasting life, and some will get up again and face God in judgment. But again, that's your choice. That's your call. Uh, our prayer is that you receive Jesus, that you make the right decision. That's why we do what we do. That's, that's why I'm here on a Wednesday night in an empty house doing this. My prayer is that one would see this and one would give their heart to the Lord. If it's only one, it's worth it. We traveled 2,000 and something miles for one to give their heart to the Lord. And I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. That's how precious this is to us. See, much of our nature and of our existence in heaven will remain uh, a mystery until we get there. The word does tell us things about heaven, but not everything. Um, and that's not something that we need to worry about because we trust the Lord. And I can tell you this, it's going to be perfect. It's, it's going to be perfect. It's going to be great. And things that you think right now that, oh, I'm going to miss this or I'm going to miss that. No, you're not. You're not going to miss anything because you're going to be complete in him. And, and I know it's hard. We can't wrap our minds around that. But it's true um, that we will have everything that we have need of. And the, be the best thing is there's going to be no death in heaven. Uh, Revelation 21 and 4 tells us that. We're going to receive a new body in heaven. Uh, so with that in mind, we should face the deaths of our loved ones with confidence. Knowing that if they had a relationship with the Lord, it's not goodbye. It's I'll see you later. And, and the days that we're living in, it's I'm going to see you soon. So tonight, in closing, I want us to be real with ourselves. I want us to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. And maybe we're lacking in our um, knowledge of the Word. And I'm going to be honest, we all are. We can all know the Word more. Uh, and that's our desire. See, the Lord knows our heart. Um, and maybe your heart really hasn't been for the things of God. Maybe you got saved years ago. And that desire, that zeal, that passion has just kind of worn off. Well, tonight he wants to rekindle that. He wants to renew that. Uh, maybe you've never given your heart to the Lord. Well, tonight's a great time. Today is the day of salvation. But he wants to move in and through your life tonight. And all you have to do is be willing, be honest, and say, Lord, come. Do the work that needs to be done in my life, and he will do just that. Let's go to him in prayer now. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for teaching us through the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray right now, Lord, for that one that may be watching, Lord. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you strengthen them, that you continue to draw their heart, Lord, that they would surrender their life to you, Lord. And by faith tonight, I'm believing, Lord, that souls are going to be saved, Lord, that lives are going to be rededicated to you, Lord, that you're raising up, Lord, an army, God, of those who have a hunger and a true desire for your word, Lord. For all that you have to offer, Lord, we believe that your word is true. From Genesis to Revelation, Lord, not leaving one thing out, Lord. And tonight, Lord, we just ask that your Holy Spirit simply search us. God, that you bring things to the surface that we need to just lay at your feet. God, that you would stir us, Lord. You would stir up a desire. You would wake us up, Lord. That you would shake those that have been lulled to sleep, Lord. God, making them realize the error 
that they are falling into, Lord, and not having a knowledge of your word for themselves. Lord, we need your word always, but especially in these last days, Lord. We can't make it without you. And I just thank you and praise you for the testimonies that are going to come in, Lord. We give you all glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. I apologize again for the disruption um, with Facebook. We